When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Pollock had come in. The puck gets cleared out and skating out. A two-on-one. Here's Hyman. He'll shoot. Scores! Zach Hyman came down the left wing on a two-on-one and fires it by Sorokin. And the Oilers are up. 2-0. And that turns out to be the game winner tonight at Rogers Place. Zach Hyman's 14th of the season. The Oilers win Jay Woodcroft's coaching debut 3-1 over the New York Islanders. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Edmonton's record now 24-18-3 on the season. The Islanders drop to 17-18-6. Well, Rob, a lot to dive into tonight. Jay Woodcroft gets the win. Some things were handled differently. Uh, perhaps some things didn't appear to improve that much for the <laughs> Oilers. Obviously, there's some work to do. But Mike Smith, much discussed. Well, we were talking about Mike Smith a lot, even when he was injured and not playing. Uh, but he he takes losses on the first two games of this uh, homestand, games in which he, he didn't get a lot of support. Mm-hmm. And really, he, he didn't get a lot of support in the first period tonight. He finishes with 37 saves, but he makes 18 of those in the first period. Uh, he was excellent in, in this hockey game. Uh, the Oilers escaped the first period because of Mike Smith. Uh, there was a, a tentativeness about the Oilers game early, uh, a lot of turnovers, uh, losing battles down low, and Mike Smith time and time again made big saves and gave this team confidence. That's the Mike Smith that we saw last year. That's the Mike Smith that you know, the Oilers management bet on to give them the quality starts this year, and tonight he gave it to them. So uh, if this is the way Mike Smith's going to play the remainder of the season, well, it makes the Oilers' decision easy when you come to the trade deadline. This is what they expect. You get Koskinen back, now you got your two player, or your two goalies that you had hoped to what you would have throughout the season. So Mike Smith was the difference in this hockey game and was certainly and was announced it the first star of this hockey game because he was the best oiler on the ice well keeping the islanders off the board in the first period and then the oilers score first and we know the story it doesn't happen a lot they are now 13 and 0 when they get the first goal of the game which they've only done uh, 13 times in 45 games this season i've, I've said it pretty much every game i still find it hard to believe but the oilers don't just survive that first period. They actually get the lead. Cody Cece scores in the final minute of the first period. He gets the goal. He's plus two tonight, and he plays 26-24. He was excellent. Uh, We've talked time and time again, you and I, about the Oilers' defense, and we've said the the most consistent playing to his potential has been Cece. Uh, He and Nurse have been their best, too. The one thing, this is what's interesting, too, when it comes to a new coaching staff, the way they implement their players tonight uh, Evan Bouchard only got one regular shift in the third period. Broberg played more than him. Lagesson played more than him. Uh, Nina Linen played more than him. And if there weren't two power plays, Bouchard would have had one shift in the entire period. 
this is a guy that's played 25, 26 minutes at times. New coaching staff comes in. Dave Manson's very familiar with some of these other younger players. In a game when the Oilers are leading, they went with players that were much more defensive-minded on the back end. And that's something that we didn't see in the past uh, with, with Dave Tippett. They, they rolled the same players over and over again. So uh, the star players for the Oilers, right around 20 minutes, yep. not 25, not 26. And probably they got to 20 minutes simply because they had a couple power plays in the third period. So they came in with a game plan. They stuck with the game plan and, and were able to get a victory. And it was... Nice seeing in the third period, Connor and Leon, when they needed them to be at their best, they had full energy because through the first two periods, I think it was 11 minutes, somewhere along that. Yeah, McDavid was at 11.47 after two periods. And so 11, he, played a thought, he played about nine minutes in the third. Because you, you didn't waste them early in the hockey game. So uh, I think this is what you're going to see going forward. And I tell you, that is that makes for a better hockey club. When everyone has a defined role on the team, uh, they're more invested in it. And you saw a very invested hockey club today. That's our adjustment of the game for pro drain text for peace of mind down the line. The Oilers win 3-1 over the New York Islanders tonight at Rogers Place. Yeah, it, I'll just give some of the ice times here because it, it is significant. McDavid got to 20-35. Nugent Hopkins played 20-31. And Dreisaitl played 20-25. So they're within 10 seconds of each other. Uh, Hyman played 18:53. I, I know you you mentioned Fogel before the game, Rob. Uh, he played 12:30, so still not a, a ton for him, but a, definitely a, a different deployment. And you know, we'll see how this continues, and we'll yep. see what happens if the orders are, you know, down two nothing halfway through the second period or three minutes into the game. Well, like they, they have been at yeah, times this They weren't year, chasing, so they it's were, much, exactly. much easier. Yeah. So. But, yeah, definitely some things change. And I think you make a good point about Bouchard uh, and and leaning now on some guys who have more of a, a defensive reputation. Well, what we've seen in Bouchard's game uh, as of late is he's very good with the puck on a stick making offensive plays, but he's prone to uh, a little nervousness in his own zone. There's a great example early in the game where the puck came in the corner to him and he had no option and he just threw it up the boards. And there was an Islander standing there, picked it off and came in for, for a scoring opportunity. He, he's got to learn how to punt. He's got to learn how to waste, waste the puck. If there's nothing there, let them fight for it in the neutral zone. Let's not turn it over in our zone because now you're giving them scoring opportunities. It's something he's going to learn, but with a, a different coaching staff here that's very comfortable with some of the new younger players and understanding the game. It's when you have... And this is what... Uh, you, you love about a, a team. There's certain players on this team that are brought up here to play when you have a lead. And there's certain players up here that are here be, if you fall behind. Bouchard's a guy that if the Oilers were trailing in the third period, you're going to play him more. But if you're winning, there's other guys that do their their style of game suits a team trying to hang on to a lead. And you saw the way that uh, Dave Manson used those players late in the hockey game. Yeah, and if you missed it earlier, 11 forwards and seven defensemen for the Oilers tonight so i mean the changes up front where cassian was out yes uh benson came in but then devon shore got scratched who uh, uh you know played pretty regularly under dave tippett uh derek ryan actually played with nugent hopkins and, and fogel so that was kind of a bit of a shift there as the orders win 3-1 tonight that means a 300 dollars donation to 630 jet santa's anonymous from james h brown and associates unrivaled experience unrivaled commitment unrivaled results james h brown giving 100 bucks every time the orders score this season nima linen's interesting to watch and we've got a lot of calls and messages about him uh he played uh, what exactly 11 minutes tonight uh, did get a penalty 
Uh, I mean, he's, he's credited with seven hits. <laughs> he, he, he gets involved. I, I think he did get kind of caught on, on one play, but yeah. uh, there, there's a very interesting dimension to his game. Yeah, there's a meanness to him. And the one thing that we've heard callers over the last number of years after the games talk about the Oilers are sometimes soft to play against yep. or they don't have an identity. It's not a hard rink to come into. Well, when he's on the ice, it certainly is. Well, Matt Martin was furious at him in the third period because Niemelainen absolutely ran over, uh, I'm always going to say this, Sezikis in yep, the third Sezikis. period. Yep. Sezikis. And Matt Martin came in, and he must have cross-checked uh, Niemelainen nine times. And he was just trying. He was so angry at him. So that's what he brings to the game. He makes the other team mad. Here's head coach Jay Woodcroft. I enjoyed the the way the game was played today. I thought that our players really played hard for each other. Um, Mike Smith turned in an A, a performance. Uh, allowed us a chance um, to get to work our way into the game. I thought we got better as the game went on tonight. Uh, and what I really liked to see was when the game was on the line in the third period, uh, we valued hard plays. And uh, that's a credit to the players in the dressing room. Um, I like the fact that it was an emotional game today. And um, it's been an emotional couple days for this team. So uh, I'm pleased for our players. Uh, you seem to really put a lot of trust and give a lot of uh, minutes and responsibility to some of the guys that you've, you've known from, from Bakersfield this year and have gotten some opportunities this year. What did you see in some of those guys and what allowed you to give them that trust and, and feel confident in them? Well, there's a familiarity and understanding what what their capabilities are, and uh, uh, that's that is built over time and through mutual mutually shared experiences. Uh, won some games with with the people that you're referencing, and so I've seen them in certain situations, and I have a belief that they can get the job done. Uh, I wouldn't put them in those situations, and certainly Dave wouldn't put them in those situations if we didn't think that they could get the job done. Um, for me, I thought it was uh, uh, important for us to play 11 forwards and 7 D-men tonight based on um, sh distributing the minutes out amongst the many. Um, I thought we got contributions up and down that lineup. And uh, for me, like I said, uh, I saw a group of men playing hard for each other and uh, it's fun to stand behind the bench tonight. You play seven defensemen pretty much every game in Bakersfield because you have so many defensemen there. But did it seem just very comfortable then to, to go with the seven defensemen? Matty, I would say that that uh, came out of uh, uh, necessity of where our team was at last year with um, the personnel that we had uh, heading into this season. Um, we had a number of NHL prospects on the back end uh, so what do they say about uh, necessity uh, being the mother of invention and that's just something that we felt comfortable with I don't know that that's a sustainable plan going forward given the amount of hockey that we're expected to play here but we'll uh, we'll look at it as we move forward we know that we can do it now and uh, like I said I thought it was a solid performance from everybody that that played tonight did you get the game pocket game uh, yeah, the players gave me the game puck tonight, and Dave and I are going to cut it in half, I think. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, it's, it's not about uh, 
us coming in. It's about the, the hard effort that our players put in. And are there stuff to clean up? There is some things that, uh, that we have to clean up. Um, but uh, like for me, we're going to take 15, 20 minutes here and enjoy this win. And uh, we're going to come back tomorrow with a professional attitude and continue to, to work at our game. Just on your deployment, it looked through two periods like you'd really spread it out among the forwards. Um, then in the third, you know, you went to certain guys a lot more and they seemed to have that gas that maybe you were looking for. <clears throat> Is that a philosophy, maybe to try and keep it as even as possible so that if you have to lean on them at the end, it's there? I thought it was by design tonight. Um, uh, it's also the third game in four nights for our team. Uh, so it was cognizant of that. And when we got into the third period and I saw that it was two to one, uh, we let our team know that we weren't sitting back, that we were going to be aggressive, that we were going to play on our toes and we wanted to go after them. And I thought uh, those players that played a lot in the third period had a lot in the tank and had more to give and, and they gave it. Leon Drysaddle on the penalty kill. Uh, I know you, you sometimes like to use your skilled players there. It can be risk-reward. Is that something you plan on doing, and, and why do you make that decision? Well, I think we're in the early stages of addressing uh, some things on the penalty kill. Um, so for me, it's getting to know the capabilities of the people that we have at our disposal. Uh, I can't forget that we haven't even had a practice to work on our penalty kill. We've made a few small adjustments. Uh, the one that went in tonight, it went in off a stick. Uh, that was hard luck. But, um, you know, we're going to figure it out as we move forward of uh, who, who are, who the players that are available to us uh, make for the right mix on the penalty kill. You haven't been here long enough to, you know, implement a bunch of system stuff. But were there some, some bullet points that you wanted to get across and that you saw tonight from the team? Yes. Um, I shared my meeting with the media here this morning of uh, the message that we sent to the team. Nothing uh, came uh, that wasn't tactical in any way. That was just uh, the principles that we wanted to see put into place right off the bat. Um, in terms of tactical, uh, we felt that we could uh, improve our physicality in the offensive zone. I thought the first goal was a great example of that. Um, we wanted to be hard and physical on offense. Um, the other thing that we talked a lot about is that we wanted to make uh, the other team work through a group of five men in all three zones. We didn't want to be piecemealed and, and let people spread us out and, and pick us through seams. We have some work to do in that area, but uh, I thought we contested lines pretty well tonight. And uh, um, like I said, we weren't perfect, but uh, the fellas dug in for each other and found a way to win the game. You talk about taking a few minutes to, to, uh, to enjoy this one. Just when you're talking about fresh starts and clean slates, how, how really important was it that you guys got off on the right foot? Well, I, I think uh, any time that there is a coaching change uh, in professional hockey, there's a group of players um, that are buoyed by the fact that uh, they get a fresh start with a, n a new group of coaches. And then there's players who might feel they've, built up equity uh, with the coaching staff that had been uh, replaced. And so uh, for me, I think the message to the players was that we wanted to increase our work rate. We felt we could do that and, uh, and that there was a clean slate for everybody. And I thought we got a lot of really good performances tonight. Just a quick comment, Jay, on uh, Cody Cece. He wrote him pretty hard. He played 26 minutes. 
And you also kept all the guys that have played 60 or less games in the NHL between 11 to 15 minutes. So the rationale between sort of a high for CC and then limiting some of the minutes and dispersing them amongst your younger D. Yeah, yeah, I think that's also part of the reason why we went 11 and 7 tonight was uh, we wanted to, as I said, spread the minutes out amongst the many. That's not just up front, but also on the back end. Uh, for CC, I think he uh, is a veteran presence out there. He's able to um, take care of, uh, of people in certain situations. I think he's calm. I think he makes... Uh, to me, a lot of really good subtle plays on the ice, and uh, for him to play that amount of minutes in in most situations was a real key in our win tonight. Thank you. All right, that is Jay Woodcroft, the new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. He's 1-0 as the Oilers beat the New York Islanders 3-1 tonight at Rogers Place. Cody Ceci gets his second of the year. Then in the second period, Hyman gets his 14th. Beauvillier responds on the power play late in the second period for the Islanders. Well, just under five minutes left. And then Jesse Pugliarvi gets his first goal since December 16th. Rob, he had gone 14 games without a goal. Power play marker. 9-14 uh, of the third period. So the Oilers go 1-for-2 on the power play. The Islanders go 1-for-3. The power play update for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. Not a conventional power play goal <laughs> by the Bison King tonight. No, it's funny. If you look back in the last, you know, two months almost, uh, the that how snake bitten yes he has been all the great great a scoring chances all the great chances he's had all the good looks that haven't gone in this one he's diving on his belly and bats it through the legs of the goaltender but those are the ones though that turn seasons around turn streaks around it just it was funny he scored that then the next time he was out there he almost went end to end on the power play it's just a little bit of confidence uh, when you're a young player and you're supposed to score goals and they aren't going in it eats you up. So when one finally does, it's just big relief, and you feel good about yourself. And, yes, he was a better hockey player after that goal went in. All right, Oilers win it 3-1. Of course, we are happy to hear from you. We'll have more post-game reaction from the Oilers as well. The hotline is powered by CertainTeed, 780-496-0063. The pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed pro all the way. Oilers take it 3-1. Back in a couple of minutes with more Heartland Ford overtime open line. Here's Barzell. He's in on the left side, top of the circle. Cross ice to Mayfield. Sneaks in from the blue line. Centering pass to Lee. Another great save by Smith. This time with the right pad. And the puck cleared out by Ryan. Well, Mike Smith, very good tonight. Very busy in the first period. And uh, well-deserving of the first star tonight. That is his save of the game. We had a few options there for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.com. CA. Yeah, the shots were 18-11 for the Islanders in the first period, and the score after 20 minutes was 1-0 for Edmonton. Rob, I've seen some people uh, talking on social media. Uh, if if Smith dove when Pajot cut through the crease and set off that scrum, when was that, with about six minutes left in the third? Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, Tim Peel, who remember I interviewed yep. a few months ago. Very good interview. Uh, he's, he says he says it's it's neither dirty nor a dive. Pajot going hard to the net. Yep. Smith does not embellish. If you get hit in the back of the leg like that, you're going to fall. I, I like agree. That. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want your forward to do that. They're down in the game. The puck was going towards the net. You're racing for it. 
last minute the goalie's there. He, he did his best to get out of the way, but he clipped him, and he fell down. So, I mean, and the response by the Oilers was good afterwards. So I, everything about it was fine, and that's a hockey play that uh, you see a lot. And as an Islander, you're happy that your player went hard to the net, and as an Oiler, you are happy your goalie is not injured, and you like the response from your players going into the corner. I got to congratulate Jillian, who is getting a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. River Cree, excitement, bet on it. She took the over tonight for our set the line contest on the face-off show. I uh, set the line at one and a half. How many points will the Oilers get out of this game? Well, they got two, so they're over. Jillian, optimistic, took the over, and she gets the $50 gift card. Good stuff. Okay, we'll go to the Certainty Hotline. We'll drop the puck with Jamie tonight. Jamie, happy Friday. What's going on? Not too much, guys. Uh, just quick comment on the new coach. I'm really happy for him and just so glad to see that he kind of just rolled the four lines and let the players kind of do their own thing and trusted trusted they'll work it out. And I honestly, I, I thought the team played so different and I'm, I'm very encouraged. But uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Okay, yeah, I appreciate it. Well, for sure, I think the ice time... Uh, and the deployment is is a big story. It's something that's going to continue to be watched for sure. It is. I mean, even though we, we say they rolled the four lines, that the fourth line guys only played seven minutes, which is about the exact same. Benson what, and McLeod. Yeah, well, that's the same that Dave Dave Tippett was playing his fourth line right around there as well. I mean, Yamo played 17 and a half. Now that's, well, that the way they did it, there was only one guy that wasn't on the fourth line because there was no Devin Shore. So the other nine guys played like nine Nine. Ryan played more. Yep. He played 15, yep. 13. Because he played on the third line. So yep. he's going to play more. What what got The third line got more minutes tonight. That's what really happened in this game. The ones that were taken away from the first line went to the third line. The fourth line played what they usually did, except when the fourth line was out there, they were out there with either a Connor or a Leon or a Nuge or something like yeah, that. Yamamoto well, yeah, got the first double shift of the game, interestingly enough. Well, which is funny. Just you wonder what was if he was uh, Jay was planning on okay we're going to come back with Connor on the next shift or where Leon was just out there or whatever the case was but it was also a way of giving a little love to Yamo saying hey we know what you're capable of doing go out there and do it for us and do it with a couple guys you've got a little bit of history with too yeah yeah, interesting game uh, definitely some changes obviously some things still to be worked on um, definitely uh, goaltending a huge part of it I mean the, the first period tonight was similar to what the Oilers did to Chicago uh, Chicago on Wednesday in the second period. Yep. You know, 20 shots on Fleury, and he stopped uh, 19. Now, the first and third periods in that game for Edmonton weren't weren't very good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the impact of goaltending, so Smith is near that level, that's going to help, regardless of yeah, who's yeah. coaching the team. And it also helps your GM make decisions come trade deadline. The Oilers don't want to give up a whole lot of assets if they don't have to to get a goaltender. They believe in Smith and they just need him to be healthy and playing at the level that he was last year. Tonight was the first time this season that we saw Mike Smith at the level he was last year, and the Oilers got a big victory because of it. 3-1, the Oilers win whenever they score five or more in a game. Go to 630Ched.com, look for the Japanese Village Goal Light, and print up an appetizer. 
I've done that before. <laughs> print up a coupon. It's not going to be... taste very good if you print up the appetizer with paper. But what, what are 3D printers used for material? Could you put food in a 3D printer and print? I an don't appetizer? understand how a 3D printer, how a printer can make all those things. You can make a house on a 3D printer. Yeah, because it has three dimensions. I don't understand that because I have a printer at home and well, right. there's no way you're going to make a house a with it. That's a regular printer. It's not a 3D printer. It's still it's you still have to weird. Buy, to me. You can't turn a regular printer into a 3D printer. You just can't buy the 3D cartridges. I've, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't just put on 3D glasses and look at the paper that way. Oh, it's 3D. Hey, <laughs> I'm not the one making 3D appetizers that you are making right now. I have questions. I don't understand 3D printers. Uh, what was I saying? <laughs> Japanese Village. <laughs> Alberta, featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu, visit jvedmonton.ca. It's a coupon for a free appetizer, but it doesn't kick in today because the orders got to three. They got to get to five, or so I'm told. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Sir Robert is on the line. Robert, go ahead. Uh, hey boys, how you doing? Quite well. Well, first off, I guess I'll say that that little whatever regarding uh, a three D printers that kind of that kind of made me chuckle, but. Anyway, it's uh, uh, on to the game. You know what? Uh, you know what? It was really nice to see. I thought the, uh, you know, I thought the whole team just looked like, aside from, aside from the shaky first period, I thought the, I thought in the second and third, the whole team they just, they just looked like they were, I don't know, to me it just looked like they were a lot more in sync than they were the previous two games. Mike Smith obviously was at the was at the level we saw him at last year. If we get that out of him the rest of the year, I think we'll be okay. And I want to touch a little bit on uh, a Nima Linen. I mean, I think I might have touched on him before, but I mean, like, he's just a, he's an absolute beast when he's out there. He's afraid of nobody, and that's what the you know and you know and you know and I've said this before too. I I really believe that that's one dimension. It's not the only dimension, but it's one dimension that the Oilers. I've been missing, and it was nice to. It was also nice to see the Bison King score tonight too. Yeah, big goal for him for sure. Thanks, Sir Robert. A couple of things there. Um, you know, and, and we talked about Nima Line a bit earlier, Rob, but I, we can circle back there because obviously, if you've made the NHL, you are uh, you know how to play physically and handle getting hit and handle mm-hmm. aggression. But the, then even at the top level, players have separated. And I've, yep. I've, you know, had coaches and scouts say to me, well, you know, this guy's six foot five, but if only he had a mean streak. Yeah. Or if only he weren't so kind Griffin, on the ice. Griffin Reinhardt like you, so, was a great example. Six know, foot five defenseman or six foot six defenseman that didn't play mean. Yeah. Um, it, it's huge. The, when you have a guy that plays with a little nastiness, you, when you step over the boards, you know where he is. You, you're always a little wary of him. Um, I mean, I played in an era with, uh, say, a Scott Stevens or a Darian Hatcher. When I was on the ice and they were, you're always over looking over your shoulder because they played the game I, not, not even along the line. They crossed the line most times. <laughs> so you're always aware of where they are. And wh- what it does, too, and we saw a couple shifts, he, he pissed off guys on the opposition, on the Islanders tonight, that they got off their game to go out and try to get retribution against them. And you're thinking, oh, that's a good thing. Now all of a sudden they're not thinking about scoring when they're in their offensive zone. They're thinking about going back and getting even. Uh, he, he's got no fear, as that caller just said, is... It doesn't matter if it's Martin or Zizekas. Like, those guys are big hitters. Clutterbuck, he went after all those guys. And those guys are physical, uh, 
some of the best in the National Hockey League. They, they're always at the top of the league in hits, and he just went right at them. So there are warts in his game. I mean, you can't be that big and mean and physical and not have been in the NHL already and playing on a consistent basis. There's things he's got to work on, but he's got, uh, he's got a, a, a relationship with the coaching staff here now. They know what he's capable of, and they know what his ceiling is. I think that's a big thing, too. They know, okay, he's, this is what he can give us, and we know where he's going to be able to get to, and they want to get everything they can out of him, and obviously they got trust in him because in the third period, you know, he and Broberg and Lagesson all played more than Bouchard, who we all know here in Edmonton how high his potential, how high his ceiling is. So they, they, they feel that these young players can come up and step in and give you something, and Emelianen certainly gives the Oilers something that they don't have. Someone that, when every time he steps on the ice, he is noticed for his physical play. And uh, talking about the shots in the first period. Now, interesting enough, uh, I think all those were off the cycle. Uh, yep. The Oilers, so th- three odd man rushes tonight that really stood out. The Oilers did have a two on zero. It was a funny bounce off, off it was the linesman. Funny bounce off the linesman, but there was no one backing True, up. True, there was defenders. still nobody there back. Was, it was like, where'd that other defenseman go? Okay, yeah. Sazika's uh, got a breakaway. Yes. Uh, you know, kind of a, a quick developing one in tight. I'll, I'll give the Islanders some credit for setting it up too, yep. but you don't want to give up a breakaway. And then you touched on it with Bob after the game. Uh, Beauvillier off the crossbar on a two-on-one, a minute twelve into the third period. I mean, if that if that goes in, we could we could be having well, a different discussion. You're right, and and this is uh, game management. Is, and that's what that is. You you have a one-goal lead. You're in the third period. A defender now. I can't. I don't remember all the players that were, but there was a defender on the bar- boards that moved in, a defenseman, and he took his man. And I believe it was Yamamoto backed him up, and he was he had his man. Evander Kane was the high guy in the forward in the offensive zone, and he was hoping that the puck was going to bounce out and he was going to have a scoring opportunity. But in that position, when, if you're losing, hope. If you're winning, you got to back out and play it safe. And he didn't, and the two Islanders got behind him, and it got it to him. Now, Evander Kane made a great job getting back, but because it was a two-on-one, even with Kane back-checking, the defenseman wasn't allowed to play Olivier by himself, one-on-one. He had to play in the middle, and that allows them to come in and get an, a great shot on net that goes off the crossbar. So that's something you want to get out of your game. You don't give odd man breaks up when you have a one-goal lead in a third period. So the Oilers win 3-1 over the Islanders. Let's check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Dallas beats the Jets 4-3 in overtime. Jason Robertson. Now, with the 20 goals on the season, he gets the winner at 3-10 of the extra session. The Lightning win 4-3 over the Coyotes, and Seattle and Anaheim tied 3-3 with about 10 minutes left in the third. Oilers fans, you want the tentacles to win tonight. <laughs> so the Oilers make up a couple points on the Ducks. In the American Hockey League, it is 3-2, Condors leading Henderson. That's halfway through the third period. Colin Chalk, now the head coach of the Condors. And the Oil Kings win 4 nothing in Red Deer. Uh, 20, uh, 37-21, Oil Kings out shooting Red Deer, including 21-5 in the first period. Oil Kings playing at Medicine Hat tomorrow. And Olympics, nine minutes left in the second period. United States leading Canada 3-1 in men's hockey. Okay, let's go back to the Certainty Hotline. It is Joe standing by. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joe, do we have you? Hey, yeah, sorry. That's okay. I got a two-part question here. 
So do you think bringing up Woodcroft from the minors was a good move instead of hiring a new coach? Yes. I think he, he, he's put in his uh, time down there. He knows the team. It's the middle of the season. If, if you're hiring a new coach, the options are, are slim. So I would go with the guy that knows the team, knows the team well, and has had success. And if that's the way you're going to if – you, if you're making a coaching change, to me, that was the easiest way to do it. And Holland said it was between him or Gullitson. And it is interim. If you would have if you would have hired uh, Paul Maurice or somebody like that, you're giving them term. They're, they probably are getting three or four year contracts. Yes. Yeah. And then the second one is, do you think they can play like that for Woodcroft night after night for the next couple? <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, what, let, Joe, you, let me. What do you think? You're 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 calling in. Let's let's hear what you think. Well, I mean, it's like the Olympic break makeup games right now. So if they can play like they did tonight, I'm saying they can go. Better than 500 in this span. Well, they, I hope they go better than 500 because if they don't, they're not going to be well, a playoff. Well, he said in this span, in this 8 and 13. Well, I still think they should be better than 500. They're, this is, I believe this is a playoff team. I think they're going to need for them to make the playoffs and make a push. They need the kind of goaltending they got tonight. If they don't get that goaltending tonight, they probably don't win this hockey game because they're probably chasing the game. They would have been behind with the chances that Mike Smith had to make. Yeah, I mean, I kind of gave some of those numbers before the game. If they play 600 hockey starting tonight, that would get them to the rest of the way, obviously. If they play 600 hockey the rest of the way, that gets them to 94 points. If they get an extra win, that gets them to 96. So, I mean, basically, if you're tracking this at home under under Woodcroft, they got to win three out of every five games, mm-hmm. you know, or get or get 12 points every 10 games. Oh, they're capable of it, I, I do believe. I think... Uh, I believe their best chance, and I still think, is to be coming to get in in the Pacific Division. I think that the Dallas Stars are going to make a run, and they are going to be the team that's going to be in the wild card spot. I think the Oilers will catch Anaheim and L.A., but those games become much more important now when they play against them. Those are the teams that they're they're going to be racing for for the for the playoff spots, and that's why it's going to be pretty exciting here. This little push and this this. Uh, grouping of, of games night after night after night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, they've been good within their own division. I mean, obviously, the Monday night, or uh, when was that, Tuesday night against Vegas wasn't good. Was it 9-3 and three now within the Pacific? Just, I think that's what it is, yeah. I think they're 10-3, t- and 10-3 three, and three within the Pacific. So, yeah, I mean, if you beat L.A. and Anaheim and San Jose and teams like that, then that's going to give you a boost even more. So, yeah, I mean, encouraging tonight. But, uh, yeah, good question from Joe. That's going to be the big storyline going along here. We also, is, is John up next? I think it's John up next, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, John. Hi, Reed. Hi, hi Robin. Uh, it's a big relief tonight. <laughs> big relief to see our goalie playing the way we know he can. And I was, I like the nickname that they gave Marcus, name of line, and called him the human-seeking missile. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to be really, really important when we get into the playoffs. And I love Dave Manson. I loved him as a player. He's done a really good job on bringing up all these good young defensemen that we have coming. I like Brobert tonight. I also like Fogle, and I thought Derek Ryan had a good game. But the thing that was the most encouraging and the biggest relief for me was in the last half of the third period, we were making the smart plays. We were dumping it in. We weren't trying to get 
fancy with our rushes and we were picking up the checks and that that just was was so good so yeah, I'm, you're right. I'm i'm really pleased and uh i'm really thankful it's terrible that tippin had to go but I love these two guys. They've done a great job in Bakersfield, and I think it'll be a good mix here. Yeah, thank you, John. We appreciate okay. it. Okay. Yeah, some some encouraging things tonight. I mean, I'm sure they want to give up a lot fewer scoring chances <laughs> in the first period. I mean, that really was. The, I mean, that first period was not good, even no. though even though they led. Second and third periods, uh, yeah, pretty, well, pretty solid. The Oilers worked hard, didn't Jay, give up as many chances. Jay Woodcroft talked about it. He said that they got better as the game went on, and they did, uh, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, in the third period, they pushed forward. I mean, they had that little mistake early in the third, giving up a two-on-one, but after that, they played smart hockey, as this caller just talked about. Uh, I, I do, I, I'm a fan of Dave Manson. I've played against him in junior. I played against him pro. Uh, I remember when he was in junior, he, he and Ken Baumgartner were D partners, and they were mean and nasty. Like, we were just talking about Nima Line, and like he, he's nothing compared to what Manson and Baumgartner were like. There would be teams that would change. If they got out on the ice, the line, they saw that Baumgartner and Manson were out there, they would go off the ice because it was scary playing against them. He's been every, He's done everything. He's played... He's been an offensive defenseman. He's been a defensive shutdown guy. He's a, he plays with nastiness, and he's got a calming influence on these young defensemen. So uh, I think he's the right guy for the job here in Edmonton with the number of young defensemen that the Oilers have. 3-1, the Oilers take it over the New York Islanders. Edmonton's record 24-18-3. The Islanders... 17, 18, and 6. And uh, yes, everybody, I did pick the New York Islanders to win the Stanley Cup before the season. And uh, they're very hard-pressed to make the playoffs. Uh, well, I think in the Eastern Conference, the eight teams are already in. I th- there is a big drop-off between eighth seed Boston yeah. and the number ninth seed. So ninth seed. Uh, the Western Conference is going to have a lot of fun as we go down the playoff stretch. The Eastern Conference, I think, is completely done already. Uh, the Islanders started the year with 13 consecutive road games. And... Well, you know, it actually wasn't so bad. Uh, I, th- I think they were 5-6-2. and two. I'm just double-checking. Yeah, they were 5-6-2. and two. And then they came and home. And then they came home and lost, uh, went 0-5-1 and and in their a- first six. And then they went on the road and lost in overtime, and then they came home and lost. It's like they had a they had an 11-game winless skid. Oh, they went 0-8-3, and, and that's probably going to keep them out of the postseason well and they they this was the brand new arena they were coming into yep. and yeah no well yeah their start to the year knocked them out and uh, then they ran into COVID issues they ran into injuries but they didn't have the buffer the oilers ran into some injuries in COVID as well but they had the nine and one start the 16 and five start which has allowed them to stay in the playoff race the Islanders didn't have that when they ran into the problems, and now they're on the outside looking in. Under they're under 500 on the season. Yeah. All right. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Now look, Ron. I cannot give you Cam Moon's phone number. I know you like him, but if you send a postcard, I'll get him to sign it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What's how's Red Deer tonight? It's actually beautiful. Did you go to the uh, WHL game or did you watch Oilers? No, I was doing uh, Skip the Dishes today. Okay, cool. So I'm going to give you a great compliment. My last call, I was commenting about uh, bring up Dave uh, Ma- Mason. Dave Manson. Manson, yep. yep. 
Yes. And so I want to accolade you up there, Reed. You are now from 14 listeners to 15. <laughs> <laughs> Ken heard the call and brought up the whole farm system. I just want to give you accolades there, Reed. And I just want to say I'm really happy for, like, just what a great, great evening for the new staff. And it's got to be excruciating on, like, it hurts for for Ken to let go. And for Woodcroft, like, I'm so happy. And I think that's so cool that he said, yeah, we're going to cut the puck in half. And what a great win. That's all I wanted to say. And, yeah. and Reed? Yeah. Reed? You're up to 15 now. Yeah, that's good. He's t- he's referring to Inside Sports, the show I do six to eight whenever the Oilers don't play on on uh, weekdays. Well, that's three days in a row. Ron's called in because he called in after the game. He called yep. me last night on my show when we did a, uh, the whole show was on the coaching change, obviously. And he's uh, called. I, I don't I, I I don't know if I actually. Well, I think we speculated we speculated that if Tippett was let go, Playfair would also go, and that if it was the Condors duo. It would probably be Woodcroft and, and Manson if if that's the way they went, which they did. Yeah, and uh, everyone has a, a guy that they 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 completely trust as a coach, and it would have been hard to bring, you know, Woodcroft in here by himself, and then with the remainder of Tippett's staff, he had to have his one guy, is confident, and Dave Manson is that guy. Okay, three one Oilers win tonight. We'll go to Rocket on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Rocket, go ahead. Hey boys, how you doing? Good. Uh, you know what? Just uh, really happy for Woodcroft and the staff, like the other caller said. I mean, it's, uh, it's a good start for him, and, and obviously he knows right now, like, this is, you know, like the tip of the iceberg, and yeah, it's a win, and they'll celebrate for 15 minutes, but he knows what kind of a fire he's in. He's right back in the fire, but uh, I like the way he distributed the lines. I know... Um, you know, Rob, you were saying the fourth line had like seven minutes or whatever, but um, there there seems to be a little bit more. There, there was more of a dissection, I think, with Tippett than than there was in this game, and I think um, you know the way he simplified those lines were, you know, was, was contributed to to a win. Not to mention. Um, you know, Mike Smith. You know, really added added on. I don't like the grade A chances they're giving up still. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's still a lot of work there. But uh, good on Mike Smith for making the saves. Saves. Uh, just wanted your thoughts on all that. Well, yeah. I mean, we're all excited for for the new era for the Oilers. I mean, I've been here since 2007, I think. So I've seen a lot of new eras of the Edmonton Oilers. I've had to learn a lot of different coaches' names over this time. But I, I it's a fresh voice. Um, I, I, Dave Tippett is still a good coach, and he will find a job if he wants one somewhere else. But the Oilers needed a voice, and. Ken Holland decided to make a change, and hopefully this will work out for the best for the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, we got to get a quick uh, news and weather update in here. If you're on hold, uh, stay there. We will get to as many of you as possible before we got to sign off. The Oilers win 3-1 over the New York Islanders. You're listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line on 630 Chet. Into the Oiler end, taken off of it by McDavid. Puck comes free. Quick shot, a right pad save made by Smith as that was quickly put on goal by Martin, and it's cleared out. Cam Moon, the play-by-play. Bob Stoffer, the color commentary tonight. That was Cam's call of one of many Mike Smith saves tonight. He stops 37 
The Oilers were outshot 38-36 tonight, but they beat Ilya Sorokin and the New York Islanders 3-1 to get their 24th win of the season. Jordan Eberle has scored late in the third period, and it's now final. Seattle beats Anaheim 4-3 in regulation time. So that helps Edmonton. They get two points. Anaheim gets none. Uh, Anaheim, one of the teams the Oilers are chasing in the Pacific Division, well, and the wildcard race, for that matter. So, thank you, Mr. Everly. <laughs> <laughs> assisted by Riley Shane, another ex-Oiler. Oh, do, right. Doing their part, doing their part to, to help the mighty oil. That's kind of funny. Okay. So, yeah, so the Oilers win 3-1-7-8-0-4-9-6-0-0-6-3. Bert is on the line. Hello, Bert. Go ahead. Yeah, entertaining game tonight. Um, I think everyone uh, obviously expected changes with Woodcroft. Uh, big, uh, oh, look at that uh, moment for me was seeing Ryan McLeod on the PK. I uh, wondered about your thoughts on that. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up, Rob. I, don't, I can't remember if we specifically talked about that. We did after a period, but yeah, he played, a, uh, McLeod played 7.06 and a minute of 18 of that was on the PK. Yeah, I, 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 the PK wasn't working. <laughs> Make some changes. Uh, the two big changes tonight were McLeod on it and Leon Dreisettle on it. So uh, the Oilers need good specialty teams to win. Good specialty teams and good goaltending. They got the power play tonight, and they certainly got the goaltending. Well, and McLeod's fast. Yeah, so fast and you, smart. Can you win puck battles or win races, I guess, to the puck and, and help get it down the ice? And, you know, Woodcroft knows some of these guys from positions he had them in in the minors. So sure there was some some trust there and and guys who were like okay yeah i've i i know i know what he wants i've done this before well and in in my experience so i i I was a power play guy my my whole career the guys that you hated playing against were the fast guys on the penalty kill the guys that could stop and start and when there was a a a loose puck they would win the race with you uh to penalty kill you need to be a good skater and you need to be smart because you got to be able to read plays and McLeod's got that ability. Leon Dreisaitl, obviously, has got that ability as well. And uh, the Oilers needed to change something up on their PK. And I'm sure we're going to see more as we go forward. I mean, uh, Woodcroft has only been here for a very, very short time, hasn't been able to practice it. But uh, you will see some tweaks to just about everything as he puts his stamp on this team. But penalty killing is the the first thing that was quite noticeable simply because you saw a couple of new faces out there. Yeah, they were scored on on the power play tonight, so still uh, only two out of three successful for well, that's about where they've been for the last two and a half months, but it that does have to improve over. I, I know uh, Woodcroft felt that. I, I didn't know the puck got ticked on the way in, he thought, and fooled Smith. I couldn't tell on, on Beauvillier's shot. Um, I didn't see that, but we're a long ways away, so we don't see as much as the other guys. All right, 780-496-0063. Trace is on the line as well. Hi, Trace. Hi. Uh, I was just curious how much money you would think Woodcroft would be making now that he's a big star in the NHL. Because <laughs> a good question. I have no idea. I'm not you even sure. It would probably be... Would it be over a million? I'm not even sure. I, I don't know. Do you get a bump? I mean, he was already well, he'd get, employed. He'd get, a, he'd get an NHL salary. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I haven't even heard any rumors. Um, coaches' salaries aren't always publicized. So I'm not sure. I'll try to find out. Um, yeah, yeah geez. That, that's, that's a, that's a that, good we, question. We are, we are mostly stumped. I've never even thought about that. Neither had I. That's a, that's a really good question from I'm just that. doing a... Because uh, some of them would be reported. Um, well, this is an older website. 
Well, it wouldn't be. I don't know if it'd be a million dollars because he's only here half a season. Well, oh, I sorry. I mean, like, yeah. like a prorated, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, that'd be interesting to know. Okay, Cap Friendly, which is an excellent website, because uh, it, it has all the players sell. Like Cap Friendly is an awesome place to go to, and it says for most of the coach salaries, it says unknown. <laughs> uh, it has unknown for Woodcroft. So I'll just uh, Cassidy in Boston, three million. Uh, McClellan five million with the Kings, Trotz four million here with the Islanders, Gallant three and a half with the Rangers, Barube three million, Cooper four million, Boudreaux two million. So yeah, I would I would think Jay would be getting prorated million dollars, pro- prorated a million dollars or so. That that's what I would guess. But Trace got us. We'll have to dig into that. I don't know. I don't. Th- I'm probably not going to ask Jay at the availability. I know as a member, I'm supposed to ask. But hey, we had a call with you the other night, yeah. Jay, and just he was between, wondering. Just between us. <laughs> well, you got to get hazard pay. I mean, he left California to come up to the snow of Edmonton. Yeah. So he's probably got to get a little hazard pay that way too. <laughs> His agent should have asked for it anyways. Yeah, exactly. Well, Woodcroft lives here in the summer, right? That I don't know. No, he does. Oh, yeah? I'm telling you. I'm, oh, not, well, thank I'm you. not asking you. I, well, I thought you had an, a, like a qu- inquisitive voice. You're like, team oh, lives I've, here I've, in the summer. I'm sorry. No, yeah, he's, his, his wife's from here. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Neil's on the line as well. Hi, Neil. Hi, Neil. Are you with us, my man? Yeah, I'm with you. Yes, go thank ahead. Thank you. So I, I got a few things. I, first of all, I want to say that... Uh, I grew up watching the Oilers, and I remember through the 90s, after Wayne Gretzky left, Mark Messier, we traded all those players. And Dave Madsen was on the team when we had Doug Waite and names of that, like Kelly Bookberger, Craig McTavish. And one of the things I noticed about the Oilers uh, is that the players on the ice ultimately dictate how the outcome is going to be. However, the support networks that are there include the coaching staff, the GM, all of the trainers, everybody, the one point I don't hear being talked about are the fans. The fans in the building are too quiet when we're losing. We need to rally behind these guys. They are putting all of the effort out there that they possibly can on a night-to-night basis, on a day-to-day basis, and I think we underestimate the impact that the fans can have. Number two, how many many games a year do you attend? How many games a year do I attend? Yeah, I'm just curious. I can't because I am in Nanaimo, but oh, okay. I Sorry. was a season ticket <laughs> right. holder when I lived in Edmonton. I, I think that, I, Neil, I'm, I, I don't like to speak for people if I can help it, but I, I, I think the some people are probably thinking, okay, Neil, we, we, we paid a lot of money when the team missed the playoffs for 10 years. We'll cheer when the product is damn well better. I think that's probably what some people are thinking. Just I know, to offer I'd, a counterpoint. I like to try to be one of the people, <laughs> one of the voices that tries to reverse that mentality. Oh, because fair enough. I have suffered through that as well. Fair enough. And through the 90s, we were not a fan base that did that to our team. Our fan base, when we were down by two goals, we would start chanting, let's go Oilers. So that's all I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to dig into the fans, but... What's also lost in all of this with a change of coaching staff mid-season with a GM that has never done that before, I do not hear the fans cheering loudly. It sounds like the library of the Coliseum. So that's all I'm trying to say. Number two, I really like the energy tonight uh, from the whole team. 
Um, I, I want to temper expectations of the fan base because this is the first game. There's going to be extra energy for sure. So let's not uh, try to think that we're going to go on a 10-0 run here. Hopefully we do, but let's keep our expectations realistic. And that's what something Dave Tippett really tried to drive in is keep an even keel. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. When Leon Dreisaitl dove for that puck to put that New York Islanders team that was coming hard offside was an amazing sign of the extra effort that this team has to give. And I think they will give it if our fan base gets behind them. All right. The last thing I want to say quick is deal, Yamamoto. Yep. Oh, my God. He took a shot from the biggest man on the ice, and he survived. So kudos to him tonight, too. Okay. Thanks, Neil. We appreciate your thoughts uh, for sure. Uh, okay. First of all, the building's half empty. Uh, it was pretty loud in here when they beat the New York Rangers. Uh, you, you know, Rob, you were you use the word belief a lot yep. for how players feel. Well, fans feel the same way, and I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm an Edmontonian. I want Edmonton teams and athletes to do well, mm-hmm. whether it's Oilers, Elks, U of A, Olympians, whoever. Uh, and I, I, I make no secret that when it comes to, uh, you know, my life outside broadcasting, I, I am an Edmonton Elks season ticket holder mm-hmm. since 1997. Uh, they were terrible this year. Yep, they were. And I didn't think that if I cheered more, they would play better. No. I still supported them and went, and if they did well. But I can tell you as a but player. I, did, I didn't believe that they were going to win. They nope. were that bad. Hey, I, see, it's cheering when they're playing poorly. I understand what fans aren't going to cheer when they're playing, playing poorly. But I can tell you as a former player that when fans start booing, like Mike Smith the other day, right. he let the first two goals in, and then he stopped one from the far end, and the fans jeered him. This is the guy that we're hoping leads the Oilers to the playoffs and in a long run. And he gets jeered. This is after coming off a season that he had. Uh, that's the part I don't like. And I know fans can do whatever well, they I want. Well, I think that was a relatively small portion. Yeah, but it's still, it's, it was still he noticed. Yeah, he yeah, heard it. Because so, he, he waved. I mean, this is the, the bill. I mean, they've thrown jerseys on the ice here in Edmonton. These are things that, as a player, uh, you're like, I'm, you're, they give it all. Sometimes they're not good. It's not through lack of try. I, I've never gone to any sporting event in my life and booed. Never. No, nor have I. No. But I've been... I've been upset I've been with him. And I, or, yeah, I have, I have yeah. too, but I've never booed at a hockey game. I've never booed at a baseball or basketball, and I've had teams that I've cheered for that have not done well. Right, and I think that, I, I quite frankly think if it, if it is a close, energetic game, and even if the Oilers are losing, I, I do think the fans... Oh, the fans do. I can get, tell you from get, being on the bench, the fans, the fans do make a difference for a hockey team. Yeah, I think... That's, well, why, that's why you fight all year long to have home ice advantage, so that you in a Game 7 can have your fans cheering you on. But I, but I think when... You know, Vegas scores to go up three nothing in the third period, and the Oilers have absolutely no push. Mm-hmm. I, I don't blame fans for sitting there thinking, "No, oh, that's... Well, I'm not going to make noise." Like, what's? Well, I can understand that. It's the yeah. boo- it's booing and not the cat calls. That's the part that's hard for the players. I can understand not sure. Okay, we're down three nothing. Yeah, yeah, but go I, boys. I boo you during the commercials all the time. Well, yeah, but I'm used to that. I'm married. I know what getting booed at home's like. I haven't punched you in the face for a while. <laughs> well, that's why I'm well, on. A, we're in separate I'm, studios well, now. Well, this is actually a true. That's actually a true story. First broadcast ever here from Rogers Place. So it was a preseason game, and Rob and I were in the booth I'm in now. We're now actually next door, separated by a wall and a pane of glass. Uh, so I was. I, I sit and stand when I'm on air. I go up and down. 
So Rob's sitting and I'm standing and I'm gesturing and I gestured with my right hand and it was at Rob's head height and I slapped Rob in the face and knocked his glasses yeah. off. And he's like, what are you yeah, my, I'm picking my glasses off the floor, and that's when I decided I was going to sit six feet away from you at all times. I, yeah, I, Rob started social physical distancing I did. with they, me before the pandemic. Exactly. They saw. They said, "I remember seeing Brown and and Wilkins doing this. Let's do this during the COVID." Like, you drilled me. I'm like, wow. I should have got a penalty. You should. Well, that's a major. The ref missed that, just like they miss everything. Oilers <laughs> <laughs> win three-one tonight over the Islanders. Uh, ben is up next. Hello, Ben. You guys doing tonight? Doing well. Awesome, awesome. Uh, just a few points here. Uh, just, I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on uh, what we, what uh, what would be a uh, good uh, trade deadline acquisition if once Keith comes back. Uh, you know, if we keep playing the same way here, uh, now that we got that shutdown defenseman, uh, I just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts would be if you know Smith can keep it up too. Well, I, don't uh, know, who, I want to know what you think, Ben. You're, I, you, this is your chance to talk to everybody. Who do you think? Uh, you know what? I think that uh, if we could get a player, uh, I think uh, Cassian, uh, ever since he got in that fight earlier in the year, he kind of hasn't been the same Cassian that's running around, crashing the nets, and uh, kind of like getting in a uh, defenseman's grill. So I think we picked up, uh, you know, a guy like even Matt Martin, somebody like that to play on the fourth line, uh, get in, get, in, get, get the pucks in, you know, uh, getting fights, stand up for the teammates, and maybe like, I don't know, maybe try to get rid of uh, Koskinen and try to get rid of that contract. Yeah. And then if you could use that money to try to pick up another player, right? I think uh, I think that could be a good uh, trade deadline solution. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Appreciate that, Ben. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can get us tonight. We will also bring Nathan onto the show. Hey, Nathan, go ahead. How's it going tonight, boys? Quite well. Good. So just a few points. Um, I just want to point out. Uh, thank you for. Uh, Mr. Ebbs for getting those two points off the boards from the Ducks. We definitely needed that. I'm yep. tired of seeing the the Kings and the Ducks getting points even overtime or wins night after night. It's seeming impossible to catch them, but I just wanted to point out Nie- Niemelin, is that how you pronounce it? Oh, Niemelainen, yep. Niemelainen, sorry. He, I don't know if this is an overstatement, but he is not, I have not seen physicality on the back end since pronger like that he is he needs to be up nightly with us what do you guys think of that well i agree that he brings a physicality that the oilers desperately need i i think there are still parts of his game that need to improve um and this is a coaching staff that know him very well they know his strengths they know his weaknesses uh he's going to get an opportunity he is right now with with keith being out with russell being out i don't know where they stand when Keith comes back if he's in the lineup or not but uh, he certainly is making a name for himself he is noticeable every time he plays for the Edmonton Oilers he is noticeable for something he does physically and this is an Oilers team that needs a physical presence on the back end and he's given them that okay Oilers take it 3-1 over the Islanders we got to call a quick timeout it's Heartland Ford overtime open line get to dry sidle Islanders 0-for-1 on the power play. Puck in the left wing corner. Dry sidle. Over to McDavid. Comes up the right wing to the blue line to Cecil. Shoot! Scores! Cody Cece hammers it from the blue line. And the Oilers are up 1-0. Would you believe the Oilers scored first tonight? Now 13-0 when they get the first goal of the game as they beat the Islanders 3-1 
Hyman and Pugliarvi also scored. Bavillier had the goal for the Islanders. Mike Smith gets the win. He was very good, stopping 37 tonight. Reed Wilkins and Rob Brown, eight floors above the ice at Rogers Place. Next Oilers game is on the road. That's in San Jose on Monday. We will welcome Scott to the show. Good evening, Scott. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, I don't want to know why uh, your wife... Uh Boozy at home, Rob. But leave uh, <laughs> that alone. Uh, yeah, I'm anyways, sad about it too. You're right. <laughs> anyways, um, I, I got a, a guy through social media there. Uh, he's a big wig at the with the Condors, and uh, so I talked to him about a month ago, and I was asking him about Woodcroft and how he was going to look here, and he was like, "Yeah, you're not going to get Woodcroft. You're going to Gullickson will take over." Blah blah blah. And so I called, or I texted him today, or pardon me, yesterday when the news went down, and I kind of laughed at him and whatever, right? Because he's mad because they just love him down there. And there was three things that stuck out that I wanted to know, or three things, three things that stuck out to me. What he told me, he told me a whole bunch of stuff. But one, short passes for the defense, no long passes, or the or the defenseman carries it out. Um, second thing was uh, uh, sticking up uh, for your teammates and uh, becoming a family, which we haven't had here for such a long time. And we've seen evidence of that a couple times today with Smith and at the very end with Nurse. And you got Nuge coming in for freaking Nurse, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third thing was uh, that stuck out was, was uh, not afraid to play uh play uh youngsters uh rookies youngsters whatever mm-hmm. um in 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 their lineup uh you know something that Tippett was not really known for right yep yeah well th- we've talked a lot about the ice time tonight for sure and uh, yeah it helps woodcroft that he he already knows some of these guys um yeah, the sticking up for each other i mean i wouldn't say we've never seen it before but i, I do think rob Certainly, as the Oilers went through the the tough stretch here, and and we're not sure they're out of it. Let's be honest. Yep. But you know, since the beginning of December, uh, like again, I I stand by the fact that I don't think they quit on Dave Tippett. No, I agree. But, but I but I do think that they looked, like I said, I was I did a radio hit earlier today, and I said like they they just looked heavy, but not like heavy hockey. They looked like burdened. You know, they'd lost a lot of flow and there was, I think, hesitation and all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, if you play with more energy and you're feeling good and things are going well, you're probably more likely to to jump in there and stand up for a teammate. Well, there was just more energy and there was more belief and the players were happier and and they were having fun and all those things uh, lead you to be a better team. And I think that when... uh, I think that the Oilers, the last two games especially, they were just dumbfounded. Like, how is it going wrong again? And then there was that worry. Okay, tell me we're not going back to where we were two wins in 15 games. And, I mean, obviously that's the worry that got Ken Holland to make the change. So I think he just could read the, the looks and, and the body language from his players and said, okay, they just need another voice. They, and not that Dave Tippett, what he was doing was wrong. They just need a voice that's going to give them a fresh outlook so they feel like, okay, we're starting anew. Here we go. Let's wipe everything away and let's just go forward. So uh, good coaches get fired. And it, it, we saw a great example. It was just in Winnipeg this year. He just said they needed a different voice. And I think that's what Ken Holland went with here. They just needed a different voice. Yeah, I mean, many of the things Jay Woodcroft won't, will want the Oilers to do will be the same things Dave Tippett wanted them to do or any coach. Yep. 
uh, he just may approach it differently or emphasize, not emphasize different things, but maybe, what, what am I trying to say here, Rob? Like, the, the, the process might be taught differently. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say, you know? Yeah, and, and so, sometimes what happens as well is players get stale because they're they're put into a certain pecking order, a certain role, and this is what you are, and you're never going to be more than that because this is the way that this coaching staff sees you. Now with a new coaching staff, all these players are, are, are looking to impress, and uh, they want... Uh, I mean, tonight, uh, Leon Dreisettle's playing with Kane and Yamamoto, where for a couple games he was playing with McLeod and Fogel. So Dreisettle's thinking, all right, right away, I'm getting uh, better offensive uh, players playing with me. Uh, a guy like... Derek Ryan, I mean, you weren't going to see him move up to the third line, but he got to do that tonight. An injury did it, but even with injuries before, he was still always your fourth-line center here. So everyone's got an opportunity to impress the new coaching staff, and it's a fresh start for them, and they can feel good going out there that there's no... Um, you're not set in who you are. This new coach can see you for something different, and that's why you always see a bump whenever a new coach takes over is the players are right now vying to, to, to win over the new coaching staff and, and feel that they can be a contributor at a higher level than they were for the previous one. All right, let's just sneak in a couple more quick calls here. We'll go to Greg. Hi, Greg. Thanks for calling. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Hey, I'll be quick. So you guys said you've never booed at a hockey game before. Well, I've, I've never booed at any sporting event before. My well, life. especially as I, I've booed referees, and obviously as a media member, I don't do anything now. <laughs> I haven't booed at any of the Oilers home games or the Elks home games, but man, when you're in Calgary watching the Oilers play the Flames or the Elks play the Stampeders, wearing your your colors loud, your Edmonton colors loud and proud, it is so fun to boo the oh, other sure. team. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely, you got to yeah, try this. The okay. is There's different. nothing yeah. wrong with booing the opposition. Uh, absolutely. Awesome. So you got to try it if you haven't. So you must. You have to wear a rain hat though, because I'm sure there's some beers that get thrown at you. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, I just have uh, two quick things actually. So. I the Oilers fans right now, like I, I would rather the Oilers go through their adversity and slump early on in the season and try to figure it out, um, than have to do that in the playoffs. So, um, I'm trying to stay positive on that side of things. So that's where I'm at with that, and and I'm glad they they had this adversity because now they know that hey, we're not we're nine and one, we're sixteen and five. Oh, we're shooting in the playoffs. Oh, wait, uh, what's happening? Right. So, that's one thing. The other thing is. I noticed today the communication uh, that Jay Woodcroft ha had on the bench today was awesome. It, 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 he seemed like he was more engaged. But that being said, I'd like to take a screenshot of him behind the bench tonight and then take a, a screenshot of him behind the bench at the end of the season and see how many more gray hairs he has. So. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. fair. I mean, he, there's going to be tough nights. We, we, we know that. He, he looks young right now. They all seem to age very quickly, Coach, behind <laughs> the, the bench. Uh, communication is huge. Um, I didn't watch as much as some of the fans, and we've had a couple of people talk about it. But as a player, whether you're the star of the team or the the 18th player on the on the bench, communication is so vital to let, have the coach. And and it can't you can't always get negative uh, feedback when you're in a game. You've got to get positive feedback. You got to hear them say that was a good shift, that was a good job, good block, good dump in. That makes you feel good. And when you feel good, you play better. Okay, and we'll get one more caller in here. We have Jason on the Certainty Hotline. Hi, Jason. Hey, how's it going tonight? We're doing well. 
Um, I just wanted to say uh, to Rob, uh, he used to be my sports academy teacher and real good guy. So I just wanted to say shout out to Rob right now. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, Where, which which school at in Saint Albert? Yeah, I'll be the home. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Did, no, you're, into, you're, did you turn into a great hockey player and a great person? Um, I want to say good person, but not not so much a great <laughs> hockey player. <laughs> we'll blame we'll blame Jeff for the hockey. I helped with the person part. Yeah, Giacomo, that guy. I tell you. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I just wanted to talk about the decoy right now. I, like, I think Mike Smith, he, he might be, like, good enough to make him go on a playoff run. But, like, that decoy, I just think they need an upgrade on uh, the defensive side of things. Like, uh, I, I just I wanted to hear your, th- your guys' thoughts on that. Well, we've, we've talked about it all year long that we think that the forwards are fairly set and they have depth up there. Goaltending was a question mark coming into the season and still is. Hopefully Mike Smith is going to be an improvement if he's healthy and getting back to where he was. But defense is still a question mark. I, I agree. I think that with the young players that have come up, I think they're going to get a shot to show what they're capable of doing. Uh, they're going to want to get Duncan Keith back in the lineup and playing with consistency. But there are nights where the defensive lapses have cost them hockey games. Uh, I guess you're going to wait and see if the new coaching staff can pull the best out of these defensemen. Having said that, you can always use more defensemen at the trade deadline and make your team a better hockey club. And a little bit of depth would never be a bad thing for the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, Oilers win 3-1 over the New York Islanders. Let's hear from the guy who got the winning goal, Zach Hyman, and the winning goaltender, Mike Smith. Zach, we'll, we'll maybe start with you if you can just uh, comment on the player, your goaltender tonight, but also just uh, on how important a win on a night like tonight would be. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal. I think that it carried over from Chicago game where he gave us a chance to, to stay in that game and, and uh, just, you know, gave us a chance the whole way through and made some huge saves and just steady the whole time. And I think just really helping our, our young D out there playing the puck as well is, is a, a big bonus. I don't know if a lot of people notice, but... Yeah, just solid, and then obviously to get uh, a win tonight um, for you know Woody and Mance coming up. It's not easy on a, on a game day, and obviously with the relationships they have with Tip and, and Jimmy, so good for them and, and good for our group. And Mike, it's the first time we've talked to you as well since, since yesterday. Just um, you know, your thoughts on everything that happened over the last 24 hours and what going in there and, and playing a real solid game tonight and how that helps. Yeah, I mean, obviously mixed feelings. You know, emotional in 24 hours, I guess, and. You know, Tips and Jimmy have been a big part of my career. You know, I, I owe a lot to, uh, you know, Tip and what he's done for me. You know, went out on a limb when I was in, uh, you know, left Tampa to go to Arizona and and kind of established me as the number one goalie and, and believed in me there. And then, you know, to bring me to Edmonton and give me another opportunity was, uh, was obviously something that, you know, you can't really... Uh, you know, can't really put words to it, but I owe a lot to uh, to Tip and and uh, you know he's a great man. You know, both Jimmy and him. So obviously, from that standpoint, a personal standpoint, it's it's difficult, but it's part of the business, and we've all been through it. I think a time or two. So obviously, uh, like Heim said, for Woody to come in and and Mance to come in on uh, on a short notice and on a game day and kind of get a message sent across, and I thought our guys, you know. We're, we're humming right from the drop of the puck, so it's uh, it's nice to see, and obviously to win is is the most important thing, so that was great too. Uh, Mike, 
can you tell us about the process? Like, you didn't play for a long time. You come back in. The game probably, I don't know, I'm not a goalie. It, seemed, it must be fast to come in when you haven't played for a long time. And tonight, you really seem to find your your space and you were you know you looked in mid-season form all of a sudden is it a fine line between you know finding that game when you come back for a long time off yeah absolutely i think any player will tell you that i think it's uh you know but like i said yesterday i think as a player you kind of can get your wits about you and maybe go out there and shorten your shifts and maybe get a bump or a grind and and get to the net and, and do little things that it gets you in games but as a goalie you're kind of just there's no really feeling out process. It's, uh, you know, there's good teams coming at you. And, you know, like I said, the, the first game I'd come back and played, everything was moving super fast out there. And the pucks felt like a bubble hockey puck. Um, that's not a good feeling as a goalie in the NHL. Um, but I knew I'd just stick with it and try to stay as simple as possible. And the third period of that first game, I felt like it was coming around. And then the Chicago game, believe it or not, I felt, you know, pretty good. And I wanted to carry that over into this game and, and you know, was able to do that and make some saves early in the game there and we were able to find a big goal at the end of the first and kind of got our team team kick-started and and we kind of built off that Zach, we noticed some difference. On, like when we look at the game sheet, we noticed a few differences in ice times and as we watched guys play during the game. But as a player on the bench playing for a new coach tonight, what were some of the things maybe the fans or media wouldn't, you know, wouldn't know was different, but maybe you guys noticed was different? Yeah, I mean, I think coming in on, on game day on short notice, there's not a ton that you can change. You know, we have a morning skate and, and get out there. So I think to keep it simple, um, you know, Woody and Mans came in and, and really highlighted a few things. And I think one of the key things was just tracking through the middle, tracking through the neutral zone and, and helping prevent rushes. And I think I thought did a great job of standing and protecting that blue line. I think it's a big, it's a big difference when you when you stand and you protect the blue line and, and you make them go through you. And you, well, once once an offensive player gets a blue line, like a guy like Barzell or any of those skill guys, they try to cut to the middle and it makes it really difficult on the D. So I think that one point that maybe if you're looking from the outside, you wouldn't see it, but we really um, focused on that. I, I would say. Uh, Zach, uh, I know you scored a couple times in Montreal, but this seemed to be maybe a little bit more of a goal scorer's goal, and, and the reaction kind of showed. What did you think of you know your goal and maybe maybe boost the confidence for you? Yeah, no, I, I mean, for me, I think um, you know goal scoring is funny. You score in, in spurts, it seems like, um, and uh, you know. One of my, my first coaches, obviously Babs, um, something he said to me that stuck was, you know, at the end of the year, you tally up all the goals and it all evens out at the end. Your shooting percentage will even out at the end, right? So you're going to have spurts in your in your you know, season where you're not scoring for an extended period of time, and then you have spurts where you're scoring a lot. So just to maintain your even keel, and if you're getting the chances, I think that's what's important. And then obviously on that one, it was a two-on-one and was able to pick my corner and uh, went in. Mike, you had a couple of uh, young defensemen kind of get thrown into the fire tonight, especially uh, the guy like Nimalainen. What did you see? I think first time you played with him, uh, what did you see from him tonight? Yeah, I mean, big, solid kid. Uh, doesn't mind throwing his weight around. So I think he's he definitely brings an element of, of uh, you know, surprise out there. I don't think a lot of people know what kind of player he is yet. And, uh, you know, playing the way he is, though, he'll... He'll make a name for himself pretty fast, so I think it's it's good to see a young guy come up there and not be afraid to, you know, to muck it up a little bit and uh, you know bring a physical aspect. But he th I thought he was solid back there. I thought he was, you know, he seems like a real good kid, quiet kid, but but you know, a kid that's not not afraid to you know throw his weight around, and that's you know kind of what we need back there a little bit. So uh, I thought he was good. Zach, 100 goals. What does that mean to you? Is that sorry? Your hundredth goal tonight. Mm -hmm. What does that 
mean for you? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's extremely meaningful, obviously. It just means that you've played um, long enough in the league. And, and you know, as, as a kid, you just dream about scoring one goal. So to score 100 is uh, pretty special and a big milestone. And it was a really good shot. It wasn't one of those ones where it was mucking in front of the net and it went off you. You beat the goalie very cleanly. <laughs> it definitely helps when it's nicer. I mean, I score a lot of goals from in tight, so to get one from a little bit further uh, and beat the goalie was definitely nice. Thank you. Zach, I'm just wondering when you see that your your goalie's got it going on at the start of that game, does that sort of trickle to the bench and does it change the vibe or maybe the mood of the team when, when you can see that, you know, the way Mike was going today? For sure. I mean, I think just getting the first one's nice, right? I think uh, uh, it really helps our team. Obviously, it, we haven't been doing it frequently enough and, and for Smitty to give us a chance um, throughout the whole game and just you feel, you know, feel calm out there. I think, uh, again, just his ability to play the puck and help our D is, is huge too. So I just, uh, he played phenomenal and, uh, you know, excited to have him back. A lot of uh, <clears throat> emotional stuff going on in the last few days. I'm mean, just uh, from a mental health standpoint, getting getting a win today, what does that do for the uh, for the room? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in sports, winning solves everything. That's just the, the reality of, of things, obviously. Uh, and definitely, uh, you know, an emotional two days. Obviously, I haven't been here as long as, as some of the other guys, but still, you, you build relationships with people, and the, and the people side of things uh, is never easy. So, um, you know, on one front, you, you, you feel sad, and, and you know, for, for Tip and Jimmy, and the other front, you're excited for, you know, Woody and Mance. You know, Woody's been in the league for a long time, and to have the opportunity to be a head coach, I think, is uh, something really special for him and I think he's deserved it. Zach Hyman and Mike Smith as the Edmonton Oilers win Jay Woodcroft's head coaching debut 3-1 over the New York Islanders at the Olympics. Six minutes left in the third men's hockey. United States leading Canada 4-2. Get more on this game on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. Our next game broadcast is Monday. It's a 7 o'clock face-off show game at 8.30. Oilers at San Jose. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer back at 630 Chet. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers beat the Islanders 3-1. 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet.